Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for taking the time. And shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, for helping to make this podcast possible. We have a great episode lined up for you guys. Joining me out of Nebraska, which she told me not much going on there. (laughs) I'm excited (laughs) to introduce executive level love and relationship coach, international speaker and author, Emmy Hernandez. I'm not trying to bash on Nebraska. We love Nebraska, but thanks for joining (laughs) us. Thanks for having me, Ted. And yes, I did tell him if you're ever going to come to Nebraska, you have to go to the Omaha Zoo. That is my one shameless plug. (laughs) There you go. Hey, it's on the itinerary and it's on the list. (laughs) Emmy, thank you for joining us. And I I know before we jump into all the subject matter, I want to make sure that our audience and you have the opportunity to get acquainted. So uh, please take the mic. The floor is yours and address the audience. Let them know who you are and what you do. Yeah. So as you mentioned in my bio, I am a love and relationship coach. And what I like to describe is a holistic love approach coach. What does that mean? I'm not a therapist. I'm not a consultant. I'm also not a counselor, which means I call you out on your shit Mm. and I'm allowed to do so. Okay. (laughs) I am here to create breakthroughs. One of the main things that I'm super proud of is Couples come to me all the time and they say, Emmy, can you save my marriage? And my response is always the same if it's meant to be saved. And they look at me like, wait, what? Like, I'm not here to impose something that's already not working. So my big thing is I help couples create the clarity and get out of limbo because true hell is limbo. That's purgatory. Okay. That is true misery. So what I like to help people do is create that clarity. Three months with me and people know you either go into deep, passionate love affair with a whole new understanding of who this person is and with yourself, or you realize, Hey, you know what? We do have this love and care for each other, but it's time for us to amicably separate. And then I help them with that process. None of this limbo crap. So I'm going to throw my notes out the window and go straight to a question of something that you just said in terms of loving someone and still separating that can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is why you know, the phrase and the, and the, the Beatles song and all the stuff that you find in like the stories are like, love, love is enough or love is all you need. That's mm-hmm. a lie. You need so much more than love to be in a relationship. So loving someone, a lot of people who grew up with a lot of trauma or maybe just a little bit of trauma, sometimes they were sexually molested. Sometimes they were bullied. Sometimes they just didn't know that their parents weren't in a healthy relationship. They just saw them fighting and that's normal, right? That's what they considered a marriage to be. They were supposed to fight and argue. So people very many times associate what they call love, which actually means pain. Mm. Okay. So it is tethered in their brain, both in their synapses and in their nervous system, which is why You will sometimes see, this is why reality TV shows are so fascinating because if there's no drama, there's no show, but what is not seen is the behind the scenes of the drama. A lot of people are addicted to the adrenaline rush because that addiction is what their brain needs that hits. That is what their brain associates to love. 
So they can't just sit around the table and just have a normal conversation with the low tone and just gently ask their partner, how was your day? Because that is boring. So most people do not understand what neutral is. They associate neutrality with boring and therefore have to create drama in order for there to be quote unquote love. So they're trying to fill the space. They're kind of sitting there sweating and they're not comfortable and they need to almost like an impulse in order to feel that desperately. How do you start kind of peeling back those layers kind of undoing some of that work that's been done, whether it be the addiction to the drama or maybe unhealthy ways of expressing, receiving love. How do you kind of repair that? Or is it kind of once it's done, that's your love language, that's your angle or your alley, and that's where you're at? It's a very good question. So I don't believe it in it's done and that's over with. It really is a choice. So there are people who come to me who I give them this level of observation and then I give them some options of this is how we can move forward. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that, how I do help them out of it. Some of them, I'll give you a percentage, about 80% of the people that I help them see some of their patterns or they go, oh my God, I had no idea. Those people I love because now they have enough self-awareness to be like, because they go in their head like, oh, I need to apologize to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah, like, <laughs> right? so they go, yeah, they're like, yeah, like, shoot, that was mine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. You know, I give you permission to forgive yourself and you do need to make amends with certain people. But there's going to be that 20% of people that no matter what patterns I bring to their attention, they're like, no, you're wrong. I'm like, okay, bye. So those are the people who are, no matter what you say, they're going to stay in their own little world. And I'm not here to argue with people. So those ones, I wish them well, and they're, they're not going to change their pattern. They're going to stay in that and continue to blame everyone else for everything that happens to them. So they, they're just a victim of the world. So the 80% of the people who recognize and have enough self-awareness to be like, oh, that my bad. Yikes. Like, I need to go apologize to Bob and Susie <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and all my other friends and all previous boyfriends or girlfriends, those are the people I can work with because then I have two different modalities that I work with. I am certified in recognizing the difference between the male and female brain. So we are wired differently, completely differently. And then I help couples understand is what is their purpose for being in the relationship? And I have them, I teach them the foundational laws of polarity. Okay. Polarity is masculine, feminine energy. It is not gender based, by the way, it does not mean male or female, but the masculine feminine energy is just like two magnets. You know, if you put the the same level of magnet towards each other, it will be repelled. Okay. Mm. But if you put the, the opposite, it'll go together. So what that means is we need to have different levels of energy, kind of like yin and yang in order for us to fit well together. Okay. And I go into those principles, just like the law of gravity. You know, I grab a pen, I drop it, it will fall. There is a universal law of polarity. So that's what I teach them first. So I go into the training and giving them some strategies of like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. These are things I didn't learn in school or university. And then I go into actually rewiring their brain. So I am certified in something called superconscious recodes. And what that means is I can actually give the brain commands to mm. rewire the past trauma so they can release and let go and actually live the present moment and be able to take that moving forward. And I also do neuro-linguistic programming. So a lot of people have been through a specific event. I personally witnessed a murder when I was 18 and I had PTSD for 10 years until someone that I know who knows this modality 
in 15 minutes was able to rewire my nervous system so that I no longer went, had panic attacks from this event. So some people who go through a specific event that has traumatized them, I help them rewire their nervous system so that they don't keep going back to that and going into panic mode and breathing and hyperventilating and then thinking that their partner is triggering them every time. How does that work? Because I know like we've talked on the podcast before about neuroplasticity, right? And yeah. kind of changing the process in your brain and, and carving new pathways. And that seems more of like, I mean, that in terms of neuroplasticity is more over time and repetitiveness, kind of building that new habit within yourself and, and building that new identity in your brain. How do you rewire so quickly? Yeah. So NLP is different. And again, some people are really good at this and others are just okay. Okay. So you really do need an expert in this area. We all have anchors. Okay. So there'll be a song in the radio that you hear and it'll make you either immediately happy and excited, like, oh my God, this is my jam, or immediately remind you of an ex or you're like, oh, I changed the channel. Okay. So that's called an anchor. Okay. So we all have anchors. They either happen on accident, most of the time they happen on accident. But what I do is make them on purpose. Okay. So what we do is it's called something called scratching the record. So what that means is I actually consciously pull up that event, whatever created that trauma in that person, let them live for a very brief moment. Let them live the emotional connection. Let's just say for that song, give an example. And what I do is I overlay another memory. So I create a memory, a fake memory that now overlays into that one. So I'm talking, they're remembering the old one. I'm adding the new one, but the new memory is, so, is associated with something funny. So it's something that the client finds extremely hilarious just for the sake of hilarity. And what happens is now when they go back to that original event, so I do it in a repetitive motion, do it fast. And there's something where you have the client see it in their own mind's eye. They feel it, they taste it, whatever, bring up all of the senses. And as you're doing this and overlaying the, the real memory with the fake memory, now the body gets confused. The body is like, well, usually I go into panic mode, but now I'm laughing. And eventually the body just goes into neutral mode because it's like, well, now I got canceled out. It was hilarious. And now I was pissed off and I was scared. And the body just goes like, so the idea is to have the nervous system go into neutral mode. And that's how you do that. Kind of like the equivalent of when I was younger, I got a paper cut, I would complain about the paper cut. And I kept saying, my finger hurts. And my dad kicked me in the leg and then my leg hurt. He's like, but does your finger hurt? Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> I forgot about it. Bingo, you got it. Yeah. yeah bet, you, bet your finger don't hurt anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> Same premise. Brilliant father. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> so there's so much I want to unpack with the polarities of energies because, you know, the first thing you mentioning in terms of the male, the female brain or the male, female, masculine, feminine energy being different and men and women being wired differently. Yeah. Talk more about how we're wired differently. And in terms of the masculine and feminine energies, how they kind of work in the relationship. Are they stagnant? Do they move? Is it kind of like one of those like knobs, the fader knobs on the left and the right, which kind of goes back and forth like a tug of war. So many routes we can go there, but <laughs> I'll let you take it and, and run with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll start off with the wiring of the brain. And this is a, a biological sort of cave woman, cave man style. Okay. So mm-hmm. 
The male brain is designed to be mission driven. It's focus. Okay. So the male brain for the most part is very good at thinking about a mission and a vision and following through, which is why if you're going through the living room and there's a sock on the other side of the room, but you're on a mission to go make a sandwich in the kitchen, you don't pick up the sock because your mission is to pick up the sandwich. Okay. That is mission driven. Very, very good focus. The female brain is not wired for mission driven. We are wired to be diffuse awareness. And these are all principles that I learned from Alison Armstrong. So go check her out. She's freaking amazing. We are diffuse awareness. Okay. So as diffuse awareness, you just experience that right there. We don't focus. The female brain does not focus. We have five minute intervals, if that. So we are the original ADHD. Okay. So when people talk about not being able to focus, that is the normal female experience. Can we focus? Yes. In very short intervals. But the thing is, we actually have more of a periphery vision than the male brain does. This is a scientific fact. Okay. It's also a scientific fact that women see more colors than men do. Okay. That's not like a, my opinion kind of thing. That's, that's a medical fact. And men have more spatial recognition and kind of like shapes forming and connection, things like that. Yes. Which is why you do better with video games and you're more attracted to video games because you're focus driven. You are points driven. Mm-hmm. You want rewards, <laughs> points, trophies, points, trophy. Points. The female brain is not designed like that because we have a gazillion other things going on. We are focused on the sandwich and the baby and the sock. And that thing we have to do next week and is our office a mess, even though we can't see it, but we know it's there. And we're also thinking about what we're going to make for breakfast at the same time, thinking about all of our friends whose father just passed away. We need to send flowers, all of that at the same time. On top of that, we have another bucket in our brain that is designed just for safety. The female brain is always, always, always on alert for safety. And it's on 24 seven. This is something that does not happen in the male brain unless your life is immediately in threat. That part of your brain doesn't light up. So this is part of the reason why the women are constantly exhausted. Our brain Mm. is always on and it takes us a lot longer to go to a space of neutrality, especially when we attempt meditation or go into meditation. So that's, that's biologically, we were wired differently. So the men are wired focus driven, which for a lot of them means protect and provide. And for the women is to nurture and communicate. So we are wired differently and this in no way, shape or form dictates who's better to be at a boss in any way, shape or form. And we all have our capacities for being badasses and taking over companies and running companies, but that is at a biological level, how we're wired that way. Yeah. The different tools of the trade, if you would, but still can get the same success. Now the energies that can live within though, I imagine are the more malleable and different expressions at times. Talk more about that masculine feminine energy, the balance that kind of manifests in a relationship and how too much of the same might be more of a bad thing than a positive thing. Absolutely. So I'm going to share this with you in what I teach my ladies. So usually this level of work is a lot more female driven and the masculine feminine energies. And this is why my company is called duality of Athena. Okay. So I'm going to start off with a little, with some Greek mythology here. Athena was a Greek goddess of wisdom. 
and war. Okay. She was very strategic. She was always depicted with a shield and a sword or a spear. And she always had on her shoulder a little owl. Why? Because she was wise. Now in society, we see the little owl like, oh, that means smart. That means smart. He's got a little graduation cap on. It's from thousands of years ago. It's from Athena. Okay. That's where that whole significance started. So she was also the sister to Ares. Okay. Ares was the god of war. He just kind of went and destroyed everything. <laughs> he, didn't, mm-hmm. he had like no <laughs> sense of anything moral. Okay. Athena, however, had a moral character. So she, she didn't go in and destroy people that were innocent citizens. Okay. This part's important. What is also important is that legend states she died a virgin. Okay. Athena never took on a lover. Okay. So that is one archetype of the female uh, being what I call Athena, which is the badass. That is the alpha, what we considered more of the masculine action, go get stuff done. Okay. Now, on the other hand, this is a woman on stage. This is a woman running a company. This is a mama stepping in, making sure that the baby doesn't get hit by a car. This is a woman who's the badass. She's the boss babe. Okay. And this energy is incredible. It's sexy. It is our rights. It's our birthright to be in that energy. But when we live there and only there, we get really sick Mm. physically. This energy of only being in Athena mode has us go into what is called in the medical field, adrenal fatigue, also known as burnout. There's so many women ending up in the hospital because we are relying on our adrenal glands and our adrenal glands that sit right on top of our kidneys are actually pretty tiny for women compared to men. Mm. Okay. So this is causing a lot of infertility in women. It's causing a lot of hair loss. It's causing so many other stress induced diseases, but the source of it all is being in this energy of, I must do it all. And I'm better than a man. Or I mean, I'm at least as good as a man. And it's the thing is women who are proud of being women, we shouldn't be working like a man. We should be working like a woman (laughs) okay, and using our body in order to do that. So on the other side, we have Aphrodite. Okay. Aphrodite is the goddess of love. She is the goddess of recognizing abundance. She receives love and attention and she had the men falling at her fingertips, not from manipulation, but by simply asking them what she wanted, they would show up. Their divine masculine would rise in order to be her hero. So what I teach my ladies is, ladies, you don't have to do it all. You're already exhausted. This is not about demanding or commanding or imposing on your partner. This is about consciously, lovingly verbalizing your needs so that he wants to show up for you as a hero. So these are the conversations I have with my couples. And it really is, the woman is the key. When she shuts off and chooses to step into that vulnerable, not submissive, I don't believe, submissive is a whole other topic and I don't like to get into that, but authentic vulnerability, oh, when she can just melt in her man's arms and she puts her head on his chest and they just breathe together, that synchronization of breath and heart frequency, just the entire world falls apart. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. That's amazing because a book I love by the name Eldridge, 
wild at heart. I think John Eldridge, wild at heart, he sums it up perfectly in terms of more of the masculine side, but kind of accentuates perfectly what you were talking about with Aphrodite in terms of, you know, young boys. The reason we love the stories and the adventures is because, you know, as men, we were looking for an adventure to live, Mm -hmm. a battle to fight, and a beauty to save. And (laughs) that's kind of some of the the things that a lot of men resonate with, right? The, the adventures and the video games, right? And and being the hero and finding a beauty to save, it's so true and to the core of so many stories that young boys go after. It only makes sense how it perfectly fits into that puzzle of when you mentioned the divine feminine in Aphrodite in that depiction. So love in the way you put that together. Why is it so important for us to cultivate such a healthy relationship in our lives. Let's kind of get to the, I guess, the the real world application. Cause I know so many people are striving for that connection. They're striving for that love, that balance, but why is it so important to us? Why is it so beneficial? Yeah. So, you know, I, I can make this in general terms and also very, very personal, but this comes from many years of observation and studying this, that I have seen both men and women hit the peaks of their career. And they're just like incredibly successful. And they're on top of the world when it comes to that, but then they have no one to share it with. Mm. And that is true failure. Okay. Because there's no fulfillment there. We as human beings are designed to pair up and be in communities. We seek that level of companionship. So what I have found is there are a lot of people who strive for financial success, and that's all great and dandy. We want that as well. But if that's the only thing someone is seeking for, I find 100% of the time, it's not even like another step, it's 100% of the time they reach that and they work so hard for it, both men and women. And then they get up there and they tell me, Emmy, um, I thought this would feel better. Like they might be high for like, you know, a day, a week or two, and then they're over it. And they're like, okay, like life goes on. But if you don't have anyone to share it with, or even worse, if you have someone that is of no support and they don't see your vision or you guys don't have a vision together, and it's Mm -hmm. constantly just bickering and fighting, that is true torturous hell. Mm -hmm. And I tell couples all the time when I work with a lot of power couples and I tell them, Hey guys, what are we working towards here? Like, what's the point? Cause they're like, Oh, we, we have this and we have that. And we have all these real estate deals and this development. And yeah, they're building this empire. And I tell them and, and I'm straight up and I said, okay guys, so let's keep building this empire. Sure. That's all fine. And Danny, and uh, let's just keep ignoring the important parts of the relationship. And, you know, cause you guys are so busy building this empire. All right. So in about a year, you build it out to a hundred million more in the portfolio. Cool. Let's just split it. They're like, what? Well, that's where you're headed, right? If you don't focus on the relationship, what's the point of building an empire that you just have to split down the middle? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes that has to happen, but don't do it on purpose, right? You cannot ignore your romantic relationship. It's not just going to be there just because this whole idea that you have to have unconditional love for someone just because you got married is BS. That's not how it works. Everything in all areas of our lives, all other aspects, we're expected to not have results or success unless we work towards it. Why is it in the relationships we're allowed to be lazy? It doesn't make any sense. How do we balance the pursuit of that love and fulfillment and the personal, maybe the 
personal dream, mm-hmm. the ambition, the professional life. A lot of folks maybe find that being the tug of war that goes on in the heart where, you know, my calling and my dream is this, but the more I lean into this and the more success I see at work, the more strain it puts on my relationship and someone feels totally stuck in between the two. How do you balance that? Is there balance? There definitely is a balance. So here's the thing. And again, it goes back to if it truly is your calling. So here's a foundational basis. That's very important to have in a relationship, in a healthy relationship, you need to have your own personal goals. Your partner has to have their own personal goals. And then you have goals as a couple. Hmm. Very important. You need to have independent lives because if you don't, then you're going to be codependent. And if if only one person is pursuing their dreams and the other one is only a support for that person, the 100% of the time, there's only, there's going to be resentment there. So that's not cool either. Okay. And that, by the way, is what create causes a strain in the relationship thinking like it's all for you and we don't do anything for me. This is the balance that I'm talking about. That is selfish. It's never can't always be, is it going to be maybe for a temporary basis? Maybe when, you know, the baby was just born and maybe she wants to take a six month break, or maybe he wants to take a six month break and they do that for a little bit. Yes. But this whole thing of like for an entire decade, we only do what you want to do. And I don't get to do what I want to do. That's BS. That's selfish. That, that is not the basis for a healthy relationship. So that's usually where I see the strain comes in. People are arguing and bickering around. There's only one person who is allowed to have a vision for their life. And that's not cool. Yeah. Every individual involved needs to have their own goals. They might not be at the same level. They might not have the same level of intensity. That's fine. But you need to have your own and then those as a couple. And if you're not working towards your goals as a couple, somewhere along the way, somebody's going to come in and match the energy of the other person. And then it's going to be perceived as like, oh, well, you know, I don't love this other person anymore because they're matching me this energy. And that's where a lot of affairs come in. Yeah. So are you saying those in that example, you just depicted, it's more in terms of the alignment of where that person is in their lives and where they're going or where their values land that gets more matched with somebody else that leads to some of that separation? Yes. So it's that matched with the energy of life. So the passion and the polarity. So let's say, for example, someone's been in a relationship for a decade, but they're only pursuing, let's say, for example, his dreams, right? So he's a hedge fund manager. She's a stay-at-home mom. And she doesn't want to be a stay-at-home mom anymore. And he's like, well, just who's going to take care of the kids? You have to, right? So he's still pursuing his thing. I'm just giving an example, right? So let's say because she's resentful of that, she's going to nitpick and nag at him and be annoying and try to mother him and emasculate him, even though he's bringing home the money. So he's going to be upset because he's like, well, I'm providing for you. What else can you, what else can you ask for? You're being selfish here. And the thing is that resentment is going to start eating at the relationship. So eventually he's going to find somebody, somebody else is going to come into the picture that is not quote unquote nagging on him. Of course she's not because she's not the one that's resentful for being ignored for a decade. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's something that so many relationships end up getting to. Mm -hmm. How can we maybe prevent it from getting there? What if the relationship has the same values the polarity and energies, masculine and feminine, but kind of that spark between the two kind of just 
fizzled out a little bit and we're in a spot of like, well, we're just coexisting right now. There's not much of a spark. How do you reignite that and, and kind of get that flame going again? Yeah. So first it's understanding that the principle of the human brain needs, okay. There are five different principles. I'm only going to bring up two here. And I learned these from Tony Robbins. One main one is certainty. Okay. So we need certainty in our life. A lot of the same, same. And here's another one that's a little contradictory, but we need variety or uncertainty. Okay. So couples who feel comfortable with each other, let's say they're in a healthy relationship, all is good and dandy and they're good. There's no big major fights going on. It's normal, by the way, for there to be some monotony. Okay. That is normal. You're not supposed to be like bunny rabbits. Like the, you were the first two weeks you met. Okay. So don't ever expect that to be the case. The love sort of turns into something, something else and it evolves. But in order to reignite that spark, you have to consciously do things that are in variety for your brain, for yourself, or else you get bored with yourself, even if you were single. <laughs> okay. So this is where small little trips, and you even have to go out of town for that. If it's not in the budget, you could grab a hotel room for a Friday night and go to a different city for a restaurant. Maybe you don't go to a restaurant that night because you always do dinner in a movie. Maybe you go ax throwing, maybe you do something that's a little more active and you go bowling. So it's important to consciously do things that your brain doesn't know how to do. Okay. Many couples and maybe in many very intelligent people like to do the same things over and over and over and over again, because they know they're going to be good at it. No, I challenge you to go do something that you're really bad at and laugh at yourself. If you're bad at golf, go do that. <laughs> if you're bad at bowling, go do that, but have fun with it. This is not a competition with your partner. It's to laugh at yourself and to have fun with it. So that's the, the number one key is to not expect there to not be monotony or else something's wrong. No, you have to consciously work towards that. And when it comes to the sex stuff, so that will help with the intimacy and wanting to reignite that. But I also recommend for couples to go to sex weekends and sex retreats. This doesn't mean you go have sex with other people unless that's your thing. But the idea is to learn the other person's body even better, right? Or maybe go to a bookstore and pick up a book on Kama Sutra or go to a sex shop and just go around, no matter how uncomfortable it is or how awkward it is to have fun with it, because there's so much taboo and trauma around sex that you're supposed to just keep it to yourself and keep it private. And many couples don't even feel like they can share with their own partner. So starting off and having a zero judgment zone conversation around sex and intimacy and what that looks like in bringing in a professional that has an objective opinion about what they could have fun with and experiment completely changes the conversation because then you really feel like, wow, I can keep growing with this person. And you have to keep growing even when it comes to understanding each other's bodies. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I could just see the amount of couples that listen to this podcast. They're out on the links and they're pissing off a lot of people behind them in the golf course yelling, go around. <laughs> We're doing something for the first time. Um, but yep. that, that experience is what it's all about is, is, you know, having the ability to do something for the first time together, maybe something that you both have never done and you have no idea what it's going to look like and how it's going to shape out, but just know that you do it together. And that process of growth is almost like tapping into the childlike 
experience when everything is new, everything is different. And because of that, it brings that joy, that excitement back. And when you're doing it with somebody else, it builds that bond between you two even stronger. Emmy, I know this is probably just the surface of the depth of knowledge that you have on this topic, but that's our time for the podcast. I don't want to leave our audience hanging. So how can they keep up with you, get in contact with you, ask questions? I know you also answer questions with the Ask Emmy Anything. Is that a segment? Is that a column that you also write? Yeah, I have a column on Thrive Global where I answer okay. questions people write into me. So happy to answer any of your questions. You want to keep it anonymous or, you know, you can write to me directly and I'm happy to answer. Anybody can find me on emmyhernandez.com mm-hmm. or Love Coach Emmy on Instagram. I'm I'm kind of all over the place. Super easy to find. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll have those links in the show notes so folks can pull it up right now and uh, follow you on those platforms and definitely check in on that column too. But thank you so much for all your knowledge and the expertise. I want to recap some of the things that you left along the way because I started jotting, but I'm not going to lie. I ended up putting the pen down and just kind of getting into the conversation because I was so curious and piqued by some of the things that you were able to unpack one of which is you know what's already there you started off off the top saying you know your job is not to guarantee you're going to fix the relationship or you're going to make sure that they work out you're going to see what's already there you're going to if it was meant to be it's meant to be but you're going to open up their eyes have them aware of their behavior the partner's behavior their core values and then find out how it fits from there and love is not enough um the fact that you can love someone and still part ways or the fact that your idea of love and the process of giving and receiving love might not be the healthiest way And understanding that there's more than just the love, it's the commitment to your partner that really sustains that partnership, that union, different levels of energy being wired differently, but expressing the masculine and the feminine differently is something to pay close attention to. The balance of the masculine and the feminine, how it's expressed, the way that Emmy described Athena as opposed to Aphrodite and the difference between the two and both very powerful beings, but also understanding the utility of the two. And for the the men out there, I would also say I'm under the full wholehearted belief that men too have the duality of the masculine and the feminine energies within themselves. So also men be aware of that. Also being wired differently. There are some things in our biology. I'm not one to generalize. I don't say everyone this and everyone that, but there's scientific research in the different cognitive advantages of the male and female brain, whether it be the analytical brain, the shape recognition, the hue recognition, the different colors, there are differences and there is a difference in the wiring of our brains. And understanding that is just understanding our tools and knowing how we can best apply it to the world that we live in, because both are adequate in accomplishing anything that lays out in front of you. A shout out to all the women out there, because I know as you were talking, Emmy, and you were, I know a lot of your work, you work with the women. And, and one thing you mentioned is like, that's why we're all exhausted all the time. I walk straight to the sandwich. I don't pick up the sock. My wife will pick up the sock and whatever else, and then get me the sandwich too. So shout out to my wife, but just a shout out to all the women out there. We appreciate you. Love you for everything you do. And Emmy is 100% right. You have all the tools you need to be 
a boss at whatever it is. Thanks again. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this with someone that you know who can get benefit from it. Subscribe so you can get a new episode each and every single week and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. The only way we improve is by getting your feedback. So we would love to hear it and see it. And of course, if you want to support the podcast on a monetary level, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month and hear some extra audio and extra tidbits from our guests like Emmy and others. But guys, thank you so much for making it to the end. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.